AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. A sharp rally in the U.S. dollar put the grain markets on the defensive, and technical selling chased some of the longs out of positions after that. It was a tough day for most grain contracts. Live cattle features traveled a long ways to end up basically unchanged ahead of the cattle on feed report. Live from International Steam Shovel Appreciation Day via Farm Journal broadcast, this <laughs> is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we will talk with Sue Martin from Ag and Investor Services. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now... Welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Glory. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you very much, buddy. I hope mm-hmm. things are going well on your end. Well, you know, we're we're under a weather advisory here. What They're kind of a weather a, advisory? A glaze of ice. I'm Ooh. not. I'm not sure. I remember what that word even means, but it sounds bad. Well, it's something that you put in your glass. Oh, well, that can't be bad. You wouldn't think. Sounds kind of nice. Think. It's Friday. It's a Friday <laughs> evening. Why not? Okay. That's right. Thank That's you. That's right. All right. Uh, hey, welcome. Welcome to AgriTalk on this Friday afternoon. Happy Friday, everybody. Indeed. Glad that uh, you have decided to spend a little bit of time with us. Okay. It's a report day. Cattle on Feed report is mm-hmm. out. Let me get to the details here if I can. Total number of cattle placed in January down 3.6% from year ago. The trade was looking for it to come in down 2.9%. So mm-hmm. placements down just a bit more than what they were looking for. Um, it's still within the range. Marketed in January up 4.2%. Trade The average trade guess was up 3.9%. So all of that should turn into a fewer number of cattle on feed than anticipated. The average trade guess was down 3.5%. We got it down 4.1%. 4.1% on the total number of cattle on feeds. Smells to me like a new contract tie coming our way sometime early next week based on this report. Okay, very good. That's what I would say. We can talk about that a little bit more later. You want to? Yeah, probably at the end of the show. At the okay. end of the show, because I want to spend time talking with Sue, uh, mm-hmm. Sue Martin, Ag and Investor Services. It's it's always uh, an enlightening and interesting conversation that we have with Sue, and I'm expecting nothing less as we as we jump through some of the topics on on uh, today's AgriTalk. So, mm-hmm. all right, excellent. Let's get to the news. What do you got? We'll tip in today's news in 1839 on this date, February 24, the steam shovel was patented by William Otis of Philadelphia. <laughs> in other news, fine. inflationary data released early this morning increased the odds of continued interest rate increases, sending stock values lower and the U.S. dollar index higher. Strength in the dollar weighed heavily on wheat futures, driving prices through layers of support. March SRW wheat futures opened higher with near-session highs and closed on-session lows and at the lowest level since September 21st, 2021. March hard red futures closed lower each day this week and spiked support at 940 before recovering to close on top of that pivotal level. 
March spring wheat futures traded to the lowest level since last August and closed below 890 for just the second time this year. Jeez. Wheat export sales in the weekend of February 16 of nearly 339,000 metric tons were up about 40% from the four-week average. March HRW wheat features were 20 cents lower, 841 and three quarters. March SRW wheat plunged 30 cents, 708 and one quarter. March spring wheat closed at 885 and one half, down 22 and one half. Talk about a wheat-shaped dumpster fire, bro. Yeah, yeah, that was a tough one, man. No doubt about it. Uh, it, uh, it, and it's one year after, one year after to the day. Mm-hmm. That uh, Russia invaded Ukraine and caused some wild, wild price action in the wheat market as we were wondering exactly what was going to happen. So, you know, it, it it's not exactly the same kind of action that we saw a year ago today, but I, I mean, it's similar enough that you have mm-hmm. to kind of admit that history may not repeat, but it certainly rhymes. Uh-huh. So. Uh, nice. We probably should have anticipated it. How do we do on the week? Feels oh, ugly. yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. On the week, July SRW futures down 51 and three quarter cents. July HRW wheat down 55 and a quarter. And September spring wheat futures down 35. Uh, down. Let's call it 35 cents. All right. Well, corn export sales, 823,000 metric tons, down about 30% from the four-week average but still lined up with trade expectations. Japan topped the list of buyers. Yesterday's drop-through support at 670 in March corn futures triggered additional long liquidation, and today's test of support at 650. Next support is at the January 10 low of 648 and one quarter. Chart watchers are targeting support at the December low of 635. The growing likelihood that the U.S. will request a dispute settlement under the USMCA agreement to counter Mexico's planned ban of GMO corn added to the negative attitude in the corn market this week. March corn futures today, 10 and one quarter cents lower, 650. May corn dropped a dime, 649 and one quarter. July corn futures closed at 638 and three quarters, down 12 cents, Chip. Yeah, uh, here we are. We've got the end of the month coming next week. When March starts, we can start calling the Safrina corn planting late. And I think that's going to be a big story by the time we get to the end of next week, if not that, the the week uh, the week following. So it's going to be coming in focus here very shortly. March corn on the week down twenty seven and three quarter cents. December corn on the week at five seventy six and a quarter was down nineteen and a half cents. Soybean export sales were down about 20% from the four-week average and totaled 545,000 metric tons, still in line with trade expectations. Ongoing issues with the Argentine bean crop helped nearby meal futures trade higher into the close, and that limited selling in soybean futures and encouraged bull spreading in the bean market. Bean oil futures were solidly lower, even with crude oil futures trading about a dollar higher. March bean futures remain locked in a sideways trading range. Chart watchers say today's low range close points to a test of support at the February 15 low of 15, 16 and one half early next week. March beans were five and one quarter cents lower today at 15.29. May beans down eight cents, 15.19 and one quarter. July soybeans closed at 15.08 and one half, down 11 cents on the day. All right. It sounds like I might be having a little bit of trouble with my connection, but I'm going to give you the March beans on the week. Okay. Up 
one and three quarter cents. November beans on the week down twelve and a quarter. Cotton export sales of just over four hundred twenty-five thousand running bales were nearly double the four-week average. That helped cotton futures post a big-time upside reversal. March cotton two hundred seventy-two points higher at eighty-five thirteen. And Chip, let me just take this one for you: the March cotton contract up four hundred eighty-eight points on the week. Let's move over to the livestock side. April fat cattle futures open a new contract high, triggering a round of profit-taking, driving prices through support at yesterday's low. Futures then recovered to close nearly steady. The slight gain in April fu- April futures is a new contract high close. April cattle were a nickel higher, 165.37 and one half. March feeders off 15 cents, 189.07 and one half. And on the snout side, pork export sales nearly 52,000 metric tons, led by Mexico and China. April hogs 17 and one half cents lower, 86.02 and a half on the week. April fats up 72 and a half. March feeders up $2.55. April hogs up 75 cents. Chip, you want me to tell them that we've got Sue Martin? Yes. Ag and Investor Services, we've got Sue Martin coming up next. Thanks so much for tuning in to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis. Out and clear, AgriTalk. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bale hay all day. Stay in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. I tell you what. Wintertime technology issues. Always just a ball of fun. Uh, Yeah, as you could tell there, we were losing Davis at the end of the first segment. And I think we're working on getting Davis back here. And uh, during the break... Finding out it's a little more difficult to hold on to the connection with Sue than what we hoped. We're going to try to fix that and make it better uh, before we we get into the conversation with her. So in the meantime, let's go over those cattle on feed report numbers again one more time. Because when we when we think about what the market has already done and what it has already factored in, I don't know if if we've got this factored in or not i don't feel like this is going to be a fade report it you know cattle and feed reports are notorious notorious for leaning one way and then the market giving us something completely different the reason that i am optimistic is if you look at the daily chart and what happened in that market today april live cattle futures they opened higher then they 
rallied and uh, and posted a new contract high, and then just plunged through support at yesterday's low before recovering to close just slightly higher on the day, just a nickel higher on the day, and under the opening range. That is the second day in a row, the second day in a row that we have closed under the opening range and still posted a new contract high close. Davis, I, I don't know how often that happens, but I but yes. having it happen in back-to-back sessions, I know is rare. Mm-hmm. That's That's got to be rare. So yeah. in the process of what the market has done over the over the last couple of days is mm-hmm. yeah we've spiked to new contract highs but we flushed out some of the the week longs and seen some uh some profit taking on those long positions yeah all while grinding higher so i'm not going to say that the market is overextended on the long side and uh and that we well, should fade a bullish cattle and feed report it feels like the market might actually be set up in a fairly strong position. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe that's not right, but it, yep. it sounds I think like it a is. show of strength to me. Yeah. yeah. I think it is. All right. We've got Sue Martin, Ag and Investor Services. Sue, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. How are you? I'm good, but you sound a million miles away, which you kind of are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. We, uh, uh, like I said, Friday afternoon. Wintertime technology issues. Hopefully you can hear me okay. So, Sue, I want to start. Now you're getting better. Okay, I want to start with, I want to start with a look back. Because here we are, one year ago today, Russia uh, was, you know, was invading Ukraine. Saw some volatility ramp up in the, um, in the grain markets. Here we are a year later, sharp losses in the, in the wheat market, and it feels like the volatility is coming back in. Well, I think that's due to the fact that we have, one, an extension of this uh, Black Sea Grain Corridor Agreement on March 18th, 19th, and the talks are going to start next week. And you have um, a year in, which it seems like it's gone so fast, but I think it's made us realize this is more of a longer-term situation. And the situation is, is that, um, you know, President Zelensky would really like to have an extension of instead of 120 days on this Black Sea Grain Corridor, he would like to have it for a year. Well, if you put it in for a year, one, I can't hardly believe Russia would go along with that, but unless they get what they want. And, um, but if you go in for a year, then that's going to make it very doable that we'll continue with this consistent exporting, talking of exports and Russia, who happens to have a very large supply of wheat, world's largest exporter anyway, but also running the cheapest prices in the world, you know, Bulgaria, Romania, France, uh, Ukraine, none of them uh, can compete against them. And so we continue for the wheat market, for example, to have this competition. But then you look at uh, the expectation of what Ukraine's going to have for uh, corn supplies, and it's the wheat that takes the hit more than so corn. And so we'll have Ukraine, number four exporter normally in the world, um, 
out there. It, it just kind of leaves a little bit of a cloud over us. But this okay. situation isn't going to get better. I can only see it getting worse with the situation between Russia and Ukraine. And um, Russia is going to fight hard. Yeah. Yeah. Ukraine, I think, is going to fight hard on this as well. And, and it, you know, it, it's so difficult. We talked about it on the free-for-all this morning in the, the first hour of AgriTalk. It, it is so difficult to figure out how this ends. All we know, all we know is that for the moment, it feels like countries, including the United States, are more dedicated to making sure that they've got the equipment, the weaponry that they need to fight Russia. And if if the U.S. is behind an effort to push more product or push more more equipment over there, it escalates the issue, Sue. And I think that brings some of the uh, some of the uncertainty back into play, doesn't it? Yes, it does. In fact, you know, neither leader, uh, Putin nor Zelensky, neither one can look like they're coming out of this as a loser. And right. so this just makes a stalemate. And as long as we're supplying everything that we are, um, you know, I think we're the major supplier of everything to, to Ukraine. Um, it, it basically keeps Zelensky from having to really negotiate much. Yeah. And, of course, he's not going to give an inch, and Putin says he's not going to give an inch. Well, when you have a situation like that, it's a duke it out. And yeah. that just, like I say, it just gets worse and more ominous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The USDA Ag Outlook Forum was uh, yesterday and today. It, is there? Did you see anything from the Outlook Forum that really caught your attention that might have an influence on how these markets are trading? Well, I think part of the that's what stimulated this break that we got, because we have to keep in mind that for corn and soybeans, too, but for corn especially, we're into that old fashioned the February break. And um, when you looked at the fact that um, they basically were talking about uh, acres, you know, pretty much in line with what, <clears throat> excuse me, with what the trade expected, uh, yet we showed the carryout increasing, what, 49%? Yeah. And so it paints a very tenuous picture when you have high input costs and what have you on the farm, um, you know, and we already have a lower price. And yet when they came out with their uh, farm gate price, mm -hmm. basically our cash market, you know, 560 on the board, futures are just, what, 15 cents over that or whatever. Mm -hmm. And at the cash market, we're a little under that. And so I think that that means the market's going to flirt with that 560 area. And possibly we could see the December corn move down around 543. And, um, you know, with time, depending on how well Mother Nature treats us, it could even take us towards a lower $5 price, possibly a 485, 490 area um, sometime this year. But you know, it's been our contention all along with our subscribers that we would see a February break and this market overall would go into a downtrend that doesn't probably ultimately end until we get into April. Okay. All right. Into April when we finally 
I shouldn't say when we finally, when we get a better idea of how the planting season might might go ahead for us. Um, on the soybeans, uh, 290 million bushels on the carryover projection uh, in the USDA balance sheet. What does that make you think for this bean market? Well, you know, the trade was thinking it should even be higher than that. Um, but 290 million bushels, you could whittle away on that if Mother Nature wanted to play a game with us. And <clears throat> right now we have to deal with, um, you know, the getting the harvest done. We have to keep in mind we've got this huge crop in Brazil that's going to be competitive against us. But then we also have to look at our weather and know that as we move through our year this year, our crop year, we have to really realize that we have all these biofuel plants starting yes. to come online as we move into 24. I think demand for uh, soybeans is very strong, will be strong. Okay. And um, I think that uh, we also have to keep in mind NOAA is showing that this drought for spring yep. is supposed to shrink. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sue, we got to take a quick break. I can't believe uh, it's already that time, but. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about those biofuel plants and the outlook from NOAA, what that might mean for pricing opportunities and risk management. Sue Martin here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Time now for news of note from ProFarmer. USDA Secretary Vilsack says a dispute settlement request under the USMCA is likely coming relative to Mexico's decree barring imports of GMO corn. U.S. Trade Representative Special Agriculture Negotiator Doug McCallop also said the U.S. was reviewing a response from Mexico in the matter and also said there would be something coming soon. Japan's core consumer inflation hit a fresh 41-year high in January as companies passed on higher costs to households. President Joe Biden will nominate former MasterCard CEO A.J. Banga in a surprise pick to be the next president of the World Bank as Washington pushes the lender to expand its financial firepower and confront climate change. And Brazilian meatpackers say they will be able to keep supplying China with beef despite a ban after a confirmed case of BSE. Get more news at TryProFarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. AgriTalk. 
Welcome back. Sue Martin is our guest analyst today on AgriTalk. Glad that you're joining us. Uh, we're going to get back to Sue here in just a moment. But first, Davis, let's go ahead and recap where the market's closed. Chip, March, hard red winter wheat futures were 20 cents lower, 841 and three quarters. March, soft red wheat plunged 30 cents to 708 and one quarter. March, corn futures were 10 and one quarter cents lower at 650. July corn futures closed at 638 and three quarters, down 12 cents today. March soybean futures were five and a quarter cents lower at 1529. July beans closed at 1508 and one half, down 11 cents on the day. March cotton 272 points higher, 8513. Livestocks, April live cattle and nickel higher, 16537 and one half. March feeder futures down 15 cents, 18907 and one half. And April lean hog futures were 17 and one half cents lower at 8602 and one half in chip. This day in history, February 24, 1987, LA Lakers center Kareem Abdul Jabbar scores his 36,000th NBA point in a 97 93 win over the Suns in Phoenix. Meanwhile, that same year, perhaps at the same time, American radio and television personality Larry King suffers a heart attack, unknown if the two were related. That's your quick market recap. Now back to you. Well, Larry King's a big fan. Big Apparently. fan of the Lakers. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. No a doubt. too excited. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Davis. Sue Martin, Ag and Investor Services, is our guest analyst today. Sue, at the end of the last segment, you were talking about some of the biofuel plants that were coming on. What's your thoughts on the renewable diesel push and, and how much of an impact it might have on our on our soybean trade? Well, I think it's going to have a very good impact on our soybean trade because it's going to pull a very good demand for soybean oil. We also have to keep in mind Argentina, the world's largest exporter of soybean oil and also soy meal, is not going to be as aggressive this year because of all their weather issues they've had and the lower crop. And also the fact that the exporter in the green peso managed to pull away the crop quicker than the crusher could get a hold of it. So I think demand for our crush is going to be very strong. Um, I think domestically we're going to have a very strong demand. And I think it speaks to the fact that these plants, as we get into 24, are going to have to have supply. And that could be a basis move that we see down the road later on. Yeah. I don't feel like there's much of a battle for acres in 2023, but when you look forward into 2024, soybeans are going to have to do something to get more of their share of that roughly 180 million uh, acres that seem to be available for corn and soybeans. I have to agree with you, Chip. I, I totally agree. I think it's more the next year. But it'll be this crop also going into next year that they try to pull when we start getting the year turned over. The other thing's going to be this year, weather. Now, you know, National Weather Service and NOA are implying that we're not going to have a, a bad weather market this year. But there are other things coming to play that imply we might be surprised that we could be a little warmer and drier than what one would think. So, you know, it's up in the air. Weather always plays a hand, and when we looked at the outlook for them, you know, it's a preliminary start, and you have to realize they're going to be optimistic in their start. Um, I'm not sure they very often are pessimistic in production. So 
I would have to say, for me, um, I feel that the market is going in for this downslide into April. Uh, if I had to pick a date in April that might stick a low, it might be later in April, around April 20th, 21st. And then I think the summer is where our highs are this year for new crop grain. And, um, and then we'll see what we're made of. But, you know, when you're looking at corn, today's cattle on feed report was really bullish. Yep. You know, lower on feed than expected. That's not good for feed usage. Right. Less placements than expected. That's not good for feed usage. And then we moved more cattle into marketing. So that was a pretty friendly report. And that, to me, probably is not real healthy for corn come Monday. Yeah. Is, since you brought up the cattle on feed report, what kind of condition is the market in to handle that? the numbers that we got? So it, to me, to me, it feels like, because of all the give and take that we've seen in the market the past couple of days, it doesn't feel like the rally is overextended when we get these kinds of a bullish number. On the cattle? Yeah. No, I don't think it is. And especially in the feeders, especially with corn being down like it is. Um, I think that has helped stabilize cattle and feeders. Um, I think today the feeder market was a little kind of sloppy or mm-hmm. ho-hum. And maybe it was because it was just waiting on these reports to come out this afternoon. But when it looks at the corn market now going forward, I would have to think the feeder market is going to be very strong. And one thing I hear about, be it in South Dakota, part of North Dakota, part of northern Nebraska, into Minnesota, I'm hearing the auction barns are so current. You know, producers are so current that Mm -hmm. there's auction barns that won't be running for about three weeks. I hadn't heard that one, but boy, that one, it does make you uh, wonder just exactly what the supply is going to, going to be for, uh, for some time. Plus got to wonder about the impact of the, the winter weather and on moving those cattle around too. So, but. And the weight loss, weight loss is huge. Yep. Yeah. The cattle market, the whole cattle complex, it, it, it does have a feel that it is primed up and, and ready to go here. You know, I'm, I've said that a couple of times, and I'll probably be limit down on Monday. Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of the way it goes. So, Sue, I want to— Your last it, name's not Murphy, Chip. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, the interest rates. We had the, the inflation news again this morning. Interest rates appear that they are going to be going even higher. How does that change your whole approach to risk management right now, Sue? Well, I think we've gotten spoiled with cheap, cheap money. And I think that uh, the the producer that has to, um, you know, be utilizing or buying inputs and borrowing money needs to be seriously looking about flooring his prices. Um, I would suggest that a good way to start with that might be via puts. Mm-hmm. and protecting that way, especially at this time point in time in the year. But interest rates aren't coming down. They're going to keep creeping higher. And it kind of reminds me of being back in the 70s before we really took off and soared on interest rates and seen double digits. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one thing I know that I've, I'm hearing a lot of is that farmers, in especially in like Iowa, and if farmers in Iowa are doing it, they're probably doing it elsewhere, But I'm hearing talk that last fall, 
there was a, a, a push to where they didn't put on that much anhydrous. And the thought was because of the prices being high yeah. and come spring of this year, they might do side dressing instead. Um, chemical inputs, they didn't buy the chemicals. They were waiting for this year to see if things would cheapen up. So, you know, the, the um, decisions are still open as to what acres could be, but farmers love to plant corn. Yep. And so I think they probably will if the weather is congenial. Okay. So what do you make of USDA's projection there at 91 million planted corn acres for 23? Too low, too high? What do you think? Oh, I think it might be at best uh, in line. You know, the weather will play a hand in it. If the weather does, like I think, that we have an early spring and it's not a wet, wet spring, that'll weigh on prices. But I think that'll allow for more corn acres to go in. It'll also allow for less prevent plant acres. Yep. And so I think that uh, the 91 million acres might be pretty much right on line. Okay. I think the surprise was the bean acres being less like they I mean, not showing an increase, but staying the same as last year. I was rather surprised at that. Okay. All right. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the conversation. I cannot let you go without asking this. Have you got an analog year that you are watching to give you a bit of guidance for, for 2023? Not really an analog year per se, but I will tell you this. Years ending in a three do tend, and especially for new crop, do tend to put their highs in in the summer. And sometimes those highs come later in the summer, like July, August, something like that. So I'm, I'm not thrilled. We're um, about 20% sold on our website for new crop in the corn. And um, we might be 15% sold on, on new crop beans at uh, 1420. The um, uh, but I think at the moment my focus is you know the market's going down. This is going to get end users live got you know people with livestock that they need to lock up corn for feed usage. They need to use that, take advantage of it, and then as we go into summer, I'm looking for to get uh, marketing done as we go into our heart of our summer. I think we're going to see a surprise this year that things aren't going to be as in the tank as what some want to paint it. But right. the worst is to come first, and then we'll deal with the better price movement as we move through summer. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, Sue. Hey, thank you so much for making time for us today. We appreciate it. Have a good rest of the winter, and we'll talk to you in the spring. You got it. Have a great day. All right. That is Sue Martin. Ag and Investor Services. Um, you know, Davis, we have talked about it and talked about it. You got to watch the patterns. You got to watch mm -hmm. the cycles. You need to look for clues that uh, can help guide your, your risk management strategies. And, and Sue certainly does that. Okay. When we come back, Davis and I will wrap up a short week of AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. chickens have come home to roost find out whose fence they're perched on today on agritalk welcome back to agritalk everybody davis michelson here on your friday 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 tip Flores here with me good conversation with sue martin ag and investors services you know i do these every once in a while Pretty interesting to see what's taken place on this day in history. Yeah. You want a couple you want a couple more? Just a yeah. couple? Sure. Eighteen eighteen sixty eight, first US parade with floats, Mardi Gras, Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> uh here's an interesting one. Eighteen eighty one on this day, uh China and Russia signed the Sino Russian Treaty. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, again, in again, history may not repeat, but sometimes it rhymes. Kind of rhymes a little bit, yeah. yeah. Uh, 1983, the Dow closes above 1,100 for the first time ever. Wow. Yeah. 1979, the highest price ever paid for a pig, $42,500 out of Stamford, Texas. And uh, this, just a couple, just really quick. I'm going to nail these these last three right together. 1962, 1966, 1989. They all have this in common. Common, the U.S. performs nuclear tests at a Nevada test site. Why February twenty-four? Why February twenty-four? In three very hmm. different years. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. Oh, just must one more. Something to do. Must have something to do with the angle of the Earth to the sun, or I would, something. I would think. I yeah. would think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just one more. <laughs> 1938, DuPont begins commercial production of nylon toothbrush bristles. What they used before nylon, Jeff? Horse Any hair. Any idea? Horse, horse hair? hair? Was it horse hair? I, I have no idea. Yeah? No, horse I hair sounds idea. good. Well, it could could have been. You know, it could just be sticks, too. I don't know. It could be sticks. When I was a kid, you know, we brushed our teeth with a stick and we liked it. Yeah. Darn you know? right. Darn right. That's <laughs> what yeah. we did. Um, so you... uh. You know, Sue often comes with things that rhyme. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She didn't yeah, disappoint she today. We'll get to that because it sort of dovetails off something that she said that I also thought was interesting. You you were like, are there analog years? What does this look like? Mm-hmm. And she kind of went to 2013. Kind of. But took it a step further, saying yep. years ending in three put their highs in during the summer. Yeah. And then yeah. went on. To say worst comes first, then price strength comes after. Right. So dip down into the end of August, or uh-huh. August, into the end of April. There you go. Um, 
she she very specifically she said, hey, you know, if I'm going to uh, mention a, a specific date, April 20th or the 21st. So down into April 20th, April 21st, and from there, it's pretty specific. Yeah, it's very specific, <laughs> and then from there, from there, work up to potentially the best-selling opportunity of the year. Now, mm-hmm. what what this suggests to me, and she said it, she said it, we've got some in the marketplace right now that are thinking, oh, boy, you know, I'm not saying a three-handle, but yeah. we might see some pressure on corn, okay? It's, it's because that that stopped themselves from saying three handle, but we could definitely see a four. I'm looking back. Kurt, Kurt Kimmel. Was it Kurt? Yeah. Yeah. Kurt yeah. Kimmel. Um, so the, uh, you know, it's, 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 I've been catching myself in agreement with the group here lately. Uh, that's one of the reasons that I said, look at what I just said about cattle. I've mm-hmm. said it twice now. Good grief. We'll probably be limit down on Monday. Um, the, and, and I mentioned the canoe when I was talking with Kurt, you did, you know, the idea that, Hey, maybe everybody's starting to get a little too loaded on one side of the canoe. Now that can work for a while. And, and, but eventually, eventually if you get everybody loaded on the same side of the canoe, thinking the same way, leaning the same way. Eventually, it it does flip, and to me, that doesn't stop the corn, soybean, and wheat markets from trading lower into spring. Mm-hmm. It just suggests to me that maybe the price pressure might not be as severe because everybody's going to be real, you know, uh, kind of cautious about getting on the short side of the market going into a growing season, and then. Because we've washed it out and kind of hit the reset market mm-hmm. or the reset button on the markets by the end of April, any kind of a weather issue at all can then spark movement back to the long side of the market. So I, hmm. Sue, Sue might be exactly right. You, you know, the not really looking for a bull market, but not looking for it to be nearly as bad as some people are anticipating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can tell you fertilizer prices are lower this week. My composites okay. down fifty six point five three points to eleven thirty five sixty five. I got NH three down like thirteen and a half bucks. Um, potash is down hard, but like UAN and urea, all of them down double digits. Thirty two percent's down thirty bucks uh, over the last two weeks. Wow. I wonder if this might be that indicator because <laughs> you're always quick to say, "Be careful what you wish for with the lower inputs," because uh, oftentimes that means uh, lower corn as well. Yeah. I just don't know if fertilizer can be the leader in that relationship. I don't think so. Uh, a lot of times when I say that, I'm talking about the livestock trade, and you've got to be cautious about, you know, sure, we're, we're lowering the cost of gain on mm-hmm. cattle this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get that. That's a good thing. But at the same time, right. that lower corn price can can eventually pull down on live cattle prices. I don't think that's going to happen, and it, I don't think it happens in 2023 uh, that lower corn prices pull down on cattle. It takes longer than that. You've got to get into an expansion mode before you start talking about the price of corn pulling down cattle prices. So, you know, there's another one. There's a, there's another one. 
And I know that people kind of shake their head when they hear stuff like this, but but the ten year cattle cycle, yep. lows in year excuse me, highs in years that end in three, mm-hmm. lows in years that end in six. Now you go back and you revisit that six low in years that end in eight, and then start to work your way back to the upside. <laughs> it's not just a price cycle though, that's a herd cycle, and man, it's uh it's kind of pointing us in that direction right now. Hey, thank you so much for listening this week. Really appreciate it. Come back on Monday morning. Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete, and Neil Kasky, the new CEO of the NCGA. Monday afternoon, Craig Turner from the Stonex Group right here on Agritalk. Have a great weekend.